Welcome to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy and I'm here with Mark and Daniel. How are you both on this wonderful autumn day? Good. Yeah. Mm. Doing really well. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful weather. So, so fantastic. Weather. Lovely. You walked as well. I think I, I walked this morning. You yeah, walked. yeah. I walked. I did. Good. Good half hour. Be quite a hike for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd probably be a bit far. Mine's only three Ks. So yeah. Beautiful mm. day for a walk. Mm. Autumn. Seasonal climactic change in the air. Yes, very much so. Funny that. Yes. Um, we actually had intentions today to uh, talk about some things that are happening in the world. Um, Silicon as- Valley Bank, de dollarization. Oh, there you go. We've, we've, we've got the list. But- fin- Finland. Finland, yeah, yeah. Yep. Finland election results. What does that mean for the world? All stuff we're not going to talk about today. Yeah, I know. So sorry, but not sorry, actually. Um, we, yeah, have. I've been experiencing God's presence in really beautiful ways here, mm. um, locally here at Red, but we know that there are stories breaking out across the world of, yeah, God moving mm. in our time. And I, for one, am so deeply thankful. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's a real privilege that we get to be able to talk to it and uh, talk about it mm. um, and, yeah, encourage you as our listeners to, to press in and seek that too. And I think almost the focus, I mean, I think we we had Pete Gregg on a few yeah. weeks ago and talk about he'd just come back from Asbury and we're literally just driven out of it. I think when we interviewed him mm. in his hotel, um, we had Terry Walling talking about the Jesus people sort of re- Jesus revolution last yes. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think almost what the focus today is that uh, if you think this is just about Asbury, it's not. Yeah. That I think the word spot fires has been used. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we mentioned that uh, in our last week's episode. Yeah, and I think that that's what's happening. And you know, we're a little bit of a conduit here. People email us and from all over the place, all over yeah. the world, and and um, we're also in contact with you know different people around Australia and the US and Europe and everywhere. And um, there are spot fires happening everywhere. So mm. I think we felt like we wanted to talk about how we've been experiencing that to build yes. faith. Yeah. Um, I think part of what is happening is this is not just like the Asbury thing. There was stuff happening before Asbury, there's stuff happening after Asbury. I think this is an invitation to press into something deeper. And I think mm. we felt we want to talk about how we're trying to do that and what we're learning here at Red Yeah. Um, because I think this is something which is uh, non-geographical. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. Um and we, yeah, look, we do have um, more episodes coming from Terry Walling and they'll come in the next couple of weeks, but we thought it was really pertinent to explore this today. Yeah. So we've done uh, three renewal sessions now. Yeah. I was there around for the first two, which was awesome and, and really mm. felt like kind of a um, I don't know, breaking of the soil, I suppose, a preparation type of mm. thing. But I missed this last Sunday. Yeah. Um, uh, was home with the kids, um, but yeah, I sound like a, a week, <laughs> a, a week <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have missed. But yeah, so I'd love to just hear from you guys. What was what's been your experience, and what yeah, what what happened on on Sunday? Well, I mean, to go back to the very beginning, just for those of you um, who perhaps not have caught up with what we've been doing here at Red, we just really we actually had a, a sort of outbreak of the Holy Spirit in our services a few weeks ago, mm. and it was it was like. Uh, in both, you know, we had we so got 
10 minutes in to our first service at nine and the sort of Holy Spirit really sort of broke out and we sort of ended up in an altar call. I still don't remember everything that happened. <laughs> um, and just almost like this real sense that you cannot go on with business as usual. Yeah. And it sort of flowed into the second service and, and people often, you know, just stay for one service. There were people staying for both. It's hard to know what mm. what happened where and when mm. and um, different things happened in both services. But it just felt like a real sort of like line in the sand moment. Yeah. Um, and then so in response, you know, I, I think to that, also what was happening, the expectation and hunger rising out of the Asbury thing, I was invited to go to Asbury and mm. prayed about it but felt God saying, you know, push in here. And um, so in, a, in an act of obedience, we just thought, why don't we just at 6.30 on Sunday night um, uh, actually kick off? We were already doing something earlier yeah. on Sunday night. So it was like, wow, there's a lot happening. So it was like another thing. Um, but just felt like this sense to open up a space and again to like really want to emphasize why we're sharing this is not so that everyone then goes and copies exactly what we did because I think this is more about fire than just the form. Um, that, uh, you know, we just – I thought I'm just going to teach on renewal, have some worship, see what happens. Mm. Um, and so that's really what the last sort of three weeks have been. But uh, three weeks but then Sunday night. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, Where do we begin? Uh, yeah, look, we'll begin with uh, we advertise the time being from 6.30 to 7.30. And yeah. I think we locked the doors at about 10. Yeah, after 10, yeah. Yeah. Locked people in or? No. Yeah, they're still in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, okay, I'll try and. How, how did it like. I was there for the first two weeks. How did it kind of – what was the difference um, or how did it begin and how yeah. did it end differently, I suppose? Well, I think you're right. We've been sort of stepping out and I think that your term of breaking the soil is a really good one. Mm. And um, we got to, I think, sort of time to end it, but you could just sense in the last couple of worship songs and even I, I taught a little bit. Yeah. Um, and um, – you know, I read a scripture from Malachi and uh, 3.10 and it was about tithing and, and God releasing blessing. And um, I think I had some line like, you know, I'm not preaching this in like, you know, so you're going to get a Ferrari style like prosperity yeah. thing. But like what if God wants to pour out blessings on us? Sort of, mm. you know, test me in this. Mm. And, yeah. I, and I remember like preaching it and, and as I said it, it just felt like the scripture just resonated in a way that I almost sort of felt a palpable thing from you know, those listening. And then I remember that the last sort of worship songs, it just felt like something was changing. And so we got to the end and um, I went to end it and wrap up and I couldn't. Mm. That's all I can say. Mm. I think I started, I got halfway through the wrap up and then it just stopped. And then I think God just started to move. But we sort of tried to push into that by doing a couple more worship songs, which we did. But then there was just this sense that we – actually had to just do nothing. Yeah. And so literally everyone just sat down and all I remember is, not all I remember, I remember a number of things, but I just remember this incredible sense of, actually I do remember praying at the end and I remember praying into it, like it was very much about God's nature. It was I remember this prayer that sort of came out of me. It was just like, you know, you're the Alpha and Omega. You, you yes. know, you're God of, of justice, of love, of righteousness. And and it was almost like the focus at that point went fully onto God away from us. Hundred percent. Yeah. And 
it just literally felt like I've been in services where you felt the Holy Spirit move and been in services where things are happening. This felt completely different to so many things I've experienced. And literally the whole room just sat in this presence, which felt weighty yet lighty. Lighty. Light. Lighty. Light. Yeah. Um, And literally everyone just sat there in the presence of God um, and no one wanted to leave. Mm. And stuff began to happen, but it was very gentle. So gentle. Uh, Yes. Healing. There were people reading scripture by themselves. There were people uh, who just felt all of the worries in their mind leave. Mm. There were people who had words for each other. There were people journaling. There were people lying down. It just was this really unexpected moment. And at some point I just said, look, I know it's a work night. If you want to go, please don't feel any compulsion. you got to stay. And many people continued to stay. And we basically stayed there until we just sort of felt like it was time to end. Mm. Um, but it felt like an absolutely catalytic moment. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the peace continued afterwards. Like it, it was – yeah, when I look back at my over two decades of ministry, I've not experienced a moment like that. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, for me, I think I'd said something to you about this the previous week that this sense of being called back to my first love mm. and I actually experienced some really similar things in the church I grew up in. Mm. like that kind of space mm. and it's it's like I'd forgotten what it could be like mm. to spend time mm. in God's presence and I think like as a 10-year-old or something, I don't think I even really understood what mm. that looked like but, mm. yeah, it's almost like that muscle memory, that that remembering deep in your heart of what it looks like and what it feels like to just be in the presence of God mm. and look around the room and see other people encountering him. Mm. But his His gentleness and his presence speaks to different people in different ways and that, mm. I mean, yeah, I could go on a big wonder rant right mm. now about, um, yeah, God and his presence, but that was really, yeah, man. <laughs> Something else. And you weren't the only one who, who, you know, shared that, you know, like the sense of you know, other people talked about really early memories of yes. being on youth events and stuff yes. where the first were touched by his love. And um, Radia, who's um, – we were just chatting as part of a team just before, was just saying to like experience, that we all experienced it together. So there was yes. sort of like people just sitting by themselves, but everyone was having the same experience of God's love. Yes, and presence at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just like an individual, you just had a, a zap and that's your individual top up. There was something very communal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the feeling of the people. Yes, yes. You know, and um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still processing everything mm. and um, – like a number of people had words that were shared for them that was really quite dramatic, not dramatic, but like resonant. Yes. Uh, that happened with me. Yes. And um, yeah. And so I, I think the reason like we felt to to share this is 
is I think sharing this stuff builds faith. Yeah. This is not a thing I think God's done like if you're hearing this and like, oh, that's not happened in my context yet. I think rather this is what we want to make this episode about is how do we push in this to this together? Because yeah. I do think there is a moment. Yeah. And um, God wants to do something. Mm. So uh, we have come up with, I guess, five principles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel a little bit like I remember early on in COVID, we were doing that sort of like leading through COVID and it was like we're maybe three weeks ahead of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe that's a similar thing. Like we're not experts at this, but we're just, just sharing some of the things that we're doing at a really practical level. Yeah. Uh, so instead of today, you know, reflections on the global order changing, uh, these are going to be some practical principles about how we're trying to push into this at, at a local level. Yeah, which may result in the global order changing. Well, yeah, wow, <laughs> man. Mm. Uh, so, all right, let's start with gathering the hungry. Mm. Well, it's really interesting because what we felt was, and I felt this really strongly, is when you feel something like this, you can often, particularly if you're a pastor and there's many pastors leading, is like, okay, well, let's just start the sermon series and push into this for your whole church. Now, that may be right for you. So hear yes. me if that's yeah, what yeah. you like again to. But for us, what we felt was we needed to create something alongside that was a gathering point for the hungry. Yeah. And what I'm noticing is that there are people feeling this hunger. Is it everyone? No. Mm. So what I've noticed going around Oz uh, of late uh, and talking to leaders all around the world is that I think the majority of leaders know that things have changed. Mm. There is another huge amount of leaders who uh, know that church as we've been doing it has to change and there has to be a sort of turnaround moment, but particularly for the church in the West. Mm. Um, now, does the whole congregation feel that? No. But is there also God is gathering people within congregations towards him? Yes. Yeah. So I think what we felt was instead of like going, hey, everyone, this is where we're going, instead creating another space where the hungry could gather. Mm. And I think this is the remnant idea. Like in, in Reaper in Church, I talk about, you know, the remnant and the fact that the remnant is this key, you know, Luther called it the little church within the church. Who is the little church in your church or the people who you uh, worship with um, and and those who are hungry, and it may not always be the people you expect. Yeah. <laughs> so we had people turn up to this. We, you know, there's people who didn't even come to our church who turned up to this. And, um, uh, you know, we've had literally people, like I think most weeks, like who are just walking by, sticking their head <laughs> in the door. Um, and uh, creating a space where it's not about numbers, it's about devotion. Yeah. So what are the spaces that you can create where those who are responding, who God is drawing to himself in this moment, you can gather those people because in a sense you, you, this can go further with those people than people who are necessarily resistant. Mm. So there's almost running two channels at the moment. There's the yeah. stuff that we've got to do. Is Red still doing usual stuff? Yes. You know, we go from here into meetings around services sense, and this yeah. and that, and, you know, the, the everyday of church life. But then creating another channel where people who are hungry can gather, another space is really, really key. Mm. How have you guys seen that play out? Yeah, I think about, um, oh, I, I guess I think about how we sort of put it to our congregations on a Sunday um, and, yeah, has sort of narrated how 
there might be people in our midst who are feeling this 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 drive or this hunger to pray more or um yeah or something something changing in them and and mm. narrating that that's a, that this is a space to explore that yes more mm. yeah. um yeah and then yeah we see who turns up mm. um those are the hungry and i even felt too like you know we we i put up something on instagram about this and heaps of thousands of people watched it and and i remember there was this bit in me where it was just like oh what if 10 people turn up yeah you know, I knew I had the staff at least <laughs> to be there, so it wouldn't be just me. But I thought, what if it's just ten people? And I thought, oh, this could be embarrassing. And then I just felt really clear the Holy Spirit say, no, this is about obedience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if, if five people turn up, it actually like you would rather have five people who are who are devoted and have heart after this than five hundred who are half there. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. is a key principle, I think, in the next thing God's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you I mean, you also mentioned that in the first week of our renewal sessions, and you've talked about it before, having studied renewals and revivals, that often that remnant might be two middle aged women sitting yes. in a room and praying. Yeah. Or a few twelve year olds mm. after school mm. praying. You know, it's yeah. not it's not about it's it's not about yeah, numbers. Yeah. No, well, I think um, the two stories I said, you know, the the Hebridean revival, um, you know, began with two older ladies who were wondering why the youth are not coming to church and you know mm-hmm. praying in front of their fire in Gaelic. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a freezing northern Scottish night, like, or I think I told another story about a revival in South India where three boys who were twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, prayed at 6 a.m. before school and 100 out of 150 kids in their school became to faith and all these sort of leaders came out of that. Um, and, you know, I think again too, we've, got a, we've, got, we've become so attuned to numbers. Again, go back to the neoliberalism episode, you know, everything measurement, numbers, data is so in our age. Mm. But the kingdom of God doesn't work according to data. <laughs> yeah, or our metrics of success. Our metrics, exactly. You know, it, it's 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 a mustard seed. You know, and I think these great trees begin with mustard seeds of devotion. Mm. So yeah, the first one, ga- gather the hungry. Yeah, and can I just add off the back of what you were saying, Liddy? Yeah, um, was I think also realizing the spirit, like having been in conversations where the spirit is obviously at work in people's lives in a new way. Yes, and not knowing how to respond to that or where or am I alone in this mm. or yes and so I think having a space where people can go um there's I, I want to actually say yes to what the spirit is doing that yes. and doing here and and do that collectively yes mm. um without necessarily having a framework for what that looks like or what they're mm. kind of going through mm. um yeah so yeah almost saying right where where have you seen the spirit at mm. work yes mm. and creating a space to facilitate mm. yeah All right. Well, the next one, you happy to move on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So changing the culture from consuming to contending. Changing the culture from consuming to contending. Um, Easy one. Easy one. (laughs) (laughs) Changing culture is so simple. Yeah. yeah. But there is an element where this is what this is. Yeah. This is changing culture. And often you change culture not by changing the entirety of the culture. When you create a space for those who are hungry for renewal, you're actually creating an alternate culture alongside the dominant culture. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a bit of a laboratory. Like the remnant becomes a sort of futurologist of what God wants to do, living that out. It's like don't knock down the city, build 
something on the outskirts of the city that people yeah. go, oh, it's better there, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, again, too, like so much of the contemporary church and the world that we've lived in for the last 30 years and, again, another uh, encouragement to go back to our neoliberalism episode, that the world has been shaped by consumerism. It's been shaped by individualism. It's been shaped by self-actualization and mm. that has shaped the church. And I think, you know, in some ways the way that we've, the front wedge of the church is presenting a church, particularly in the West, particularly in the developed world, of, here's how we can provide all your needs. Yeah. You know, here's what we can do for you. Here's the car parking. Here's the men's weekend away. Here's this, here's this, you know, that. Like, like, and I think that partially the thing that God is, not partially, one of the big things God is doing in the world is moving us from that, that, that starting point of consumerism Mm. to one of contending. What is contending? Yeah. Contending is struggling. Yeah. <laughs> contending is people who are willing to 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 pursue God because they're so hungry for him to move at this yeah. time. And so part of I think the big thing that God's doing is that that is so many of our churches and and Red's been on this journey. So many of our churches wittingly or unwittingly have been set up with this unspoken implicit reality of here is religious goods and services you can consume. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of the thing that what God is doing at the moment is creating a different thing, you know, a different culture of contending. Now, contending, I think, building a culture of contending begins with building a culture of contending prayer. Yes. And week two, I talked about, um, I felt really stirred to preach on contending prayer. Yeah. And, you know, often we come to God, like often we're trying to like, oh, we can just get our people to pray a little bit. But I think, again, that that's underestimating what God wants to do. Mm. Like actually creating a culture of prayer where prayer is central Every great awakening, renewal, revival, prayer has always been central. Prayer has gone before. And often people coming in, it's not kind of prayer like, oh, we should just pray. And it's actually prayer where there's this deep hunger to mm. see God move because there's this gap in the world that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and where there's a hurt that is the gap in uh, the, the level of our devotions, things we see in our culture going wrong, the, the worries about the fate of your nation, your city. When that gaping hole is then filled with prayer, uh, that's actually contending. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think like the comfortable world, again, of the last 30 years was a world of consumerism. But the world at the moment, it, it's shaking. Like you know, yeah. if, you've, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you don't need convincing on that. And it's not like everything's going to get resolved in three weeks' time. And so I think that 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 crystallization of discontent in the world, if you keep offering consumerism in a culture of crystallizing discontent – you're going to fall over in the future at some point. Mm. You get, there's going to be a backlash. So I think at this moment, one of the most important things we can do is, is go on a culture shift, a culture change to move from consuming to contending and prayer is central to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, team? Yeah, I, I th- I mean, we might have talked about this before and, and you talked about it in the, that second week of where – of helping people move from discontent to holy discontent yes. within mm. that as well. Um, so I think a lot of people in that consumer category do feel discontented about different things, Yes, um, be that the, the state of their own heart or state of the church or the world, whatever, but helping that become a holy discontent and mm. not just yeah. a um, – yeah, not just an outward like, oh, if everyone else changes, then we go, okay, it's actually, yeah, hang on, what's uh, alignment with God's heart? Yes. That holiness piece, but also mm. what needs to be done in my heart. Yes. For yes. That. So, yeah. And we've talked about the great resentment before. Yes. Mm. I think the great resentment is happening and there's backlash happening in churches and it is everywhere um, because 
it was a consumer world, it's now becoming an increasingly resentful world because people are no longer believing the promises of the world and consumer culture. If you keep running a contemporary church strategy that's about just meeting people's sort of consumer needs, even if that in a religious sense, the great resentment is only going to grow against you and backlash because yeah. ultimately you're right that that our world is becoming increasingly finely tuned to to sharpening people's discontent and resentment there's greater platforms to to feed back that to to churches and leaders so only what can heal that that discontent is god's presence mm, mm. so the holy discontent is when we realize the only balm to our wounds is god's presence mm. um that Leaders becoming more proficient is not going to change it. You know, everything becoming like part of the anger is like, I want things to be more efficient is actually what a lot of people are saying mm. and meet my needs precisely. Well, no, actually it needs to be, need to be laid down before the cross. Yeah. And, and, you know, only God's presence is the only thing which can satiate that, that God's shaped hole within us. Yeah. And I wonder if that kind of flows into this, the, the next one, the third, uh, pattern or what do we call them i don't know but i've just baptized myself oh, good. Um, and my water's gone all over me if you're watching <laughs> on youtube principles. Principles yeah. oh yeah principles um is to be expectant yes um and this isn't just expectant that i'm going to have all of my needs met this is expectant that god is who he says he is and he wants to and will move yes we just need to provide the space. Well, we don't even just need to provide the space. I don't know. We don't even need to do anything. Yes. Really. It, it, a fundamental question which must be faced by leaders at this time, are you simply going to manage decline mm. and that is your kingdom contribution? And to be honest, I talk to leaders sometimes and I think, I think what you're honestly saying is we're going to manage decline. Mm. And the church is just going to get smaller and then we're working on how we give away all the buildings and, and we're just in management of decline. You're 100% right. Renewal ultimately is about new creation. Mm-hmm. Like what, we, what, we, what we're banking on here is a theology that is rich through scripture. We're about to celebrate in Holy Week that sin and death does not have the final say. Decline does not have the final say. Destruction does not have the final say. That on the third day, Jesus comes from the grave and that renewal, resurrection, new creation power has gone through the world. And if we're aligned with that, the futures that we predict through our human metrics does not need to be. We do not need to manage decline. No. Uh, it is just entering into a managed decline. And, you know, I think that having that expectation that God is true to his word and going back to, you know, Malachi, test me in this, mm. like, like, like give everything and, you know, test me in this. I want to pour out blessings. Is that true? Yes. And, you know, th- there's a sense that this is like that, that language of being a forerunner, mm. you know, and I think another way to put this one is being a forerunner and, and partially, you know, I think there is a divine comedy in the fact that here in Melbourne, a large part of this podcast has been pressing into renewal because Melbourne is a darn cynical city. Yes, it is. And it is an intellectual city. It's super cynical. And Melbourne, even in the church scene, is, 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 is corrupted by a, yeah, but. Yeah, that's good renewal, but here's 20 reasons. And just for people out there, like if, if you know, like people listen to Rebuilders and love it, but often, you know, I face people in our context, mm. you know, saying, yeah, but, yeah, come on, Mark. You know, like, 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 so to be in that environment where you're in a sea and a soup of cynicism um, actually requires you to be a forerunner. A forerunner is to run ahead of the pack 
and, and live in a very, very different way. And I think it is an incredible counterculture. If you want to be a rebel today, be expectant. Mm. And I'm not talking silly po- positive thinking stuff, but particularly in a time where uh, secular decline, you know, seems to be what the world has forecasted for us to actually be someone of expectation that God is true to his nature, that's actually being a forerunner. Mm. Now hear this, a forerunner is not going to always be comfortable. Can I just say, not everyone's going to get on, pro- on, on program with this. Mm. Well, like, yeah. like, like hear this right, count the cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like part of the sacrifice that has to be made here is, I will tell you now, getting up and saying as a church, as what, whatever responsibilities that God has before you, as an organization, as a church, even just maybe in a family, maybe in a friendship group, um, pushing into renewal, you are not going to get universal slaps on the back. And no. every, you know, renewal and revival. Did you know that Jonathan Edwards, who launched one of the most classic sort of, you know, early, you know, great awakenings uh, that people still talk about, that influence, that that resonated around the world in the mm. 1700s. He was basically uh, a coup d'etat almost happened in his church and members of his church, which were not happy with him, got rid of him, you know. So that's, that's the warning story. I think like here, this, this is not the, I think we've gotten to this model of church leadership where we do focus groups and get a, a sort of, a vanilla sort of plan that's beige that everyone's going to like and everyone's fairly happy with and we move forward and we're all united, united behind the vision. When the presence comes, it actually there is not a neutral space. Mm. <laughs> and so I think part of this as well is being a forerunner is realizing that you're also going to have opposition and we've experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reminded of um, something I had written down uh, prior to Sunday night happening and it was to jump in with abandon. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I um, we we've got to stop measuring things according to the metrics of this world and mm. look at what God has done time and time again. We've got his word which tells us of how he has renewed his people time and time again. Mm. We've got stories of renewals occurring throughout mm. history. Are we going to expect that he can do this again and do mm. we want him to do it? And if we do, we need to be abandoned to that, mm. nothing else. Mm. Mm. Oh, Amen. I mean, on Sunday I preached about David and the presence. and Andrew. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it says – what's really interesting is like there's two elements to that story. David dances with all his might. Yeah. And I said on Sunday, it's not like David's the most amazing dancer. And there's an element in that where I wonder if David, like you can look at that two ways. David was just this, you know, like madman after God who just danced and was completely shameless and whatever. I wonder, and again, look, I'm speculating here, but I wonder if there's an element that David knows he is going in a countercultural direction. Yeah. And there's an element where David knows he's building a culture that he knows that as a king, you know, he's threatened by assassination. There were people who were not on board. And the second part of that story is that Michal, his his you know wife, mm. is literally looking down from a window. Yeah, with de- she's despising him in his heart. This is this is a woman who who loved him. Yeah, and I I think in that moment David is being a forerunner of ex- exemplifying the kind of faith that knows that people around are going to look down their nose. And it's not here. Like if, if you're hearing me, I'm not saying in the midst of your service, you know, if you're at some Presbyterian church where, <laughs> you know, like like it's, it's uh, 
not the place to jump around and, and dance. I'm not saying to get up and dance. What I am saying is pursuing a path where you live in expectancy mm. and, and throw all in on expectancy despite maybe even your own doubts. Yeah. That's what being a forerunner is and knowing yes. that that's gonna, you're going to cop a backlash. Uh, I think that's what a forerunner is. Yeah. And interestingly, David responds to that by saying, I will become even more undignified than yes. this. <laughs> yes, he doubles um, down. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, in the face of um, criticism. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, four. Yeah. Going in the opposite spirit. Presence, not a plan. Yep. So what remarked, what I noticed about Sunday night is it was almost like we had our little time we'd planned out and we had the worship and we had, you know, what I brought and really that real blessing smile from God happened at the end where the time that we had set ended. Mm. I didn't know how to end it. Mm. Uh, We had the experience in our church service recently where things just stopped. Mm. And it wasn't like then things went, you know, for those listening thinking, you know, is this disordered worship? It's not. It's literally was reverence Mm. and holiness. And, you know, I think that, you know, and I think Terry's going to talk about this in one of the episodes that we've got coming. So we won't maybe dig super deep into this. But I think there is an undoing of the spirit of control. And again, what has marked Mm -hmm. the last 30 years is particularly the developed world looks at the world as a thing it can control. Mm. We live in the age of management. We can manage everything perfectly. We can manage our way through COVID and then we can manage the economy. We can manage the Ukraine war. We can manage civil unrest. We can manage all of this stuff. And look, I like living in a place which is well managed. Mm. But there's an element too that when we just focus on human power and human control, that we limit the unexpected things that God can do. Mm. And so I think part of this is I have not, like we don't, we have not worked it. We said we can do three weeks of of renewal sessions. We've got a couple of weeks of holidays here in Australia. I don't like we haven't even talked about what happens next. I don't know what happens next. Mm. I got no 20 week plan here and actually this is when I r- roll this out. We started this thing not knowing what was going to happen. On Sunday night God broke out and we were there for hours after we thought it was going to end. Mm. There is an element here that I think what it's got to be the central thing is presence. Yeah. Planning yeah, that can come, but it's secondary. We've had it the wrong way around. Our planning yeah. and seeing sometimes if the presence of God can fit into that. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I also think um, we were talking about it earlier of um, John Tyson's message a number of weeks ago that we listened to as a team, and he just mm. mentioned in there about the Australian church. Mm. Yes, and what, what did he what did he say? The he left Australia to the to America. Um, I think I think there was a line in there where he just said the lukewarm Australian church. Yeah, yeah, um, and. I mean, maybe this is going to flow into the next one. Okay, okay. Actually, I'll, bring, I'll come back on the next one because right. I think there's, there's a little message. Yeah. Great, right. great. Well, we can move on to the next one. Let's move on to the yeah, next one. Yeah, okay. So final one, number five, being willing to persevere. When we kick this off, my real sense was that there would be people who come to the first renewal sessions and expect like, you know, fireworks and the glory to fall and, you know, to be Asbury or something, you know, who knows, you know, week one. Mm-hmm. I had this real sense that it wouldn't. I had this real sense that this was actually beginning a journey. It wasn't an event. It was, mm. it, was a, it was a journey. And I had this real sense that God exactly was, uh, I think you mentioned it before, Daniel, like calling us to break up the soil, you mm-hmm. know, like, like 
repentance, confession, forgiveness, um, change of mindset, Mm. putting on the mind of Christ, that there's an element where God is actually preparing a people um, and I think that John series, uh, John Tyson series, is a, I can't remember the exact title, but it's around uh, you know preparing a place for God's presence to come. Mm. I think mm-hmm. is the sort of God essence. goes where He's wanted. God goes where He's wanted, um, or comes where He's wanted. Comes yeah, where He's wanted. You know, and that's such a great framing of I think what's going on here. So there was this sense that actually what we need to step into was perseverance. Mm. Again, I mentioned criticism. Criticism comes. You know, we've been criticised <laughs> and uh, difficulty comes. There might be weeks where you're pressing in and nothing seems to be happening. Um, there might be, you know, week one, everyone turns up to whatever you feel God's leading to and then week 22 it's not. It's just like the diehards. Mm. You know, this is the journey that God is asking us to go on and and returning to that point um, particularly, and I think this is a particular word for the Australian church but it might resonate elsewhere. Uh, John Tyson said something in that where I just had this line where he said, the lukewarm Australian church. Yeah. Mm. And like, you know, I feel the Aussie church sometimes we accept, and I think there was this huge gravitational pull after COVID with so much disruption to go back to um, comfort. Mm. And I think actually in Australia, like uh, we had Terry Walling do some training here and, um, uh, you know, he was talking about in America, you know, the desire to control things and, and, I was sitting with someone in the training. They, they said to me, I think in Australia it's not control, it's comfort. Mm. And so I think there is this huge gravitational push. I know there's churches who have got like people turning up and like, oh, this is great post-COVID. But there's also this sense of oh, there's a bunch of the church who just wants to go back to some kind of normality to come every three weeks. Uh, there's churches that I know have got people, but they're not volunteering, they're not giving. There's this, there's this huge gravitational push coming against leaders to just return to the comfort zone. Mm. And if you're feeling that push, I just want to encourage you that in grey zone, the biggest temptation is to go to the comfort zone. There are people in your congregation who just want to go to the comfort zone. There's part of you which may, after all the last three years, just want to go back to the comfort zone. But I think where the Lord is taking us is to renewal. (laughs) He wants Mm. to take us to the promised land. The journey through the wilderness is to shape a people. Mm. Not everyone gets through the wilderness. And so there's this element that I think what God is developing in us is a perseverance. I felt too. Like I've said this before, I'm willing to go on the journey and lay foundations or play my part in laying foundations for something that God may not do in my lifetime. Mm. I pray that he does. Mm. Um, But if you look at any renewal, awakening, revival, there are people who went before, who were forerunners, who laid foundations, who history forgets, and we have to be willing to play that part as well. Mm. And I think this is the thing that I noticed at the end of when God moved it was actually all about him. And we just realized he was in the room and we just sat in his majesty. And I think part of what's happening is us persevering in that um, to make, we've made church too much about us. It's time to make it about him again. And so that journey is countercultural. So we're going to have to persevere in that. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Mm. Yeah, something... um I think I think even just it's perhaps a word for many of the pastors and leaders out there that that have this heart and have this desire just to continue to persevere um, and and maintain a kingdom perspective and that yeah. this isn't about like I think what you just said this like we've made it so much about us mm. um, and and I think even so I was chatting with with a friend. Um, around some of this stuff and just the comment around they just made a comment around 
like we've got to even be careful not to make this about revival or yes. renewal. Yeah. This has got to be about Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's from what I'm hearing from Sunday night was that was that. It wasn't about mm. cool, here's the thing we're going to do and here's how we're going to get ourselves right or yeah. kind mm. of forge our way forward. It was about encounter with his presence mm. and with yeah. Jesus and mm. just the simple ministry of mm him coming and resting with his people. And mm. so to be able to persevere um, for the sake of his presence yes. mm. um, and whether that comes in its fullness in our time, well, mm. it'll come yeah. <laughs> when, when he returns, um, but uh, in, a, in a fresh way mm. or whether it's for the next generations. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. Jesus, hey? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just think that... Um, yeah, I just would love to encourage the listener um, because I think many of you listening have this heart yeah. and I think so much of our leadership training has not trained us to push on with courage when discouragement comes. Mm. So much of our leadership training has not prepared us for opposition. Um, I have a real sense that there's many people who are carrying hurt from the last season, mm. hurt at what's happened, hurt interpersonally. Um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned before on here or whether I have or not, um, you know, I remember like a lot of people talking about particularly in the US and other places, Canada and stuff about polarization, but behind polarization, there's actually a lot of personal hurt. There's very personal stories. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, all of this um, has come against, but I think there's just this, this, what I experienced on Sunday night was just a tremendous uh, uh exposure to God's kind, gentle love. Hmm. And, you know, he, he's worth it. He's absolutely worth it. And I think that there is a renewed vision that God is placing in the heart of leaders. Hmm. And, and, and again, too, I've said this before, <laughs> but I just want to say it again. Just in, like I have little interest in or energy for revivals of which which are just like a flashbang grenade where we just go, oh, 2023 is this brilliant and then it was back to like managed decline. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the Lord wants to create pillars of devotion to build a whole new foundation to revive the church and rewire the culture to use the 24-7 line. Mm. And, um, you know, I think just to help you understand that there are people all across the world and we get the privilege of hearing from so many of you that you are not alone. This is happening. Uh, God may have done this to you personally, but he wants to do this to more people and to press in in this season um, and to keep going. And uh, he's good. Mm. He's why we, we're doing all this. And I think yeah. your comments, Lydia, around first love, my prayer um, and this is now sort of becoming a prayer, um, <laughs> is that many of you will feel that first love and that first love will give you the, the courage and the strength, the steadfastness, the resilience to press on into the next thing that he wants to do. Yeah. I'm so thankful that we get to do what we do through this podcast. Um, thank you for continuing to um, to listen and and allow us <laughs> the space to encourage you and and everything but yeah I there's this weird tension coming to doing an episode like this and being like oh you know we we experience these things and 
I'm just noting in me as we came into this episode. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to make it about about us and this is all the things that Red does and no. whatever. But you know, coming back to that, going in the opposite spirit. Mm. I think it's so important that we share the stories of what God is doing yeah. mm. in us. And there are stories across the world, mm. all of you listening, who are experiencing God's renewing work not only in your own life but in your communities. Mm. Tell those stories. Mm. Tell those stories to one another. Send us emails if you like. Mm. We'd love to hear them. Mm. Um, speak of God's work. Mm. Speak of his presence. Speak of his, his renewing mm. work. Mm. It's encouraging and it brings glory to him. Mm. And this is just one one story mm. out of many. And there's no, just to add on that, I, I think what, what's noted, I mean, Pete Gregg said, you know, what's noted is that there's a leadership. You know, people said the Asbury thing, there was no leadership. But he said, no, there's actually humble leaders and we're not used to seeing that. Yeah. Oh, now I'm getting... We're all in tears here if you're, <laughs> listening, if you're listening on audio. The privilege of doing this podcast is we started this podcast in complete isolation, uh, literally completely locked down. <laughs> it was literally once where we were in separate rooms <laughs> to each other. I mean, my goodness. Um, and I looked at... Actually, I looked back at some photos. Oh, actually, early at YouTube, and we just looked wrecked. Like we're just like tired. We're like pasty. Yeah. Like we look so tired going through everything we're going through in lockdown. But I think that the incredible blessing of this, and one of the things that ministered to us was the audience listening and hearing the stories from people. Mm. And I think like what I want to say is that Big Rick said that comment that there is holy, humble leaders out there, and I just want to say that is so much of our audience. Yeah. Yeah. So much of our audience, we can often get like allured by, you know, the great super pastor somewhere with a gazillion people in their church and bazillions of New York Times best-selling books or who knows, a, a gold helmet. A gold helmet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, excuse me. I don't think anyone in the world has a gold helmet, but you know what I mean? But I think like what what the vantage point that I've seen in, in this church is literally from from Finland to Dunedin, uh, that there are humble, hungry people after God's presence and be encouraged. Mm. Uh, we get to see just a small smidgen of it. God sees it and he smiles on you. And, uh, yeah, what a blessing. Yeah. How do we end? Yeah, now, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe I'll read that Malachi Verse. I think I've got it up. You've got it? Uh, I had it. Oh, no. Bring yeah. the whole tithe, Malachi 3.10. Mm. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>